Discipleship is not about knowledge acquisition. Discipling someone's not just about teaching them lots of stuff about the Bible. Maybe that sounds obvious, but you see, it's not enough to teach facts and gain knowledge. Disciples must be formed in ways that change their motivation and give them active gospel experiences. Ask yourself, was the way you were discipled, if you actually were, like the way that Ms. Barnabas taught our friend Terry here? Or was it more like faith by the numbers with little experience out in real life? Along with the assumption that, well, you were practicing these things and because you prayed a Jesus in my heart prayer, you now had great love for Jesus and God's glory and all people and you had a community to do this with. I think we make those big assumptions tacked onto bad discipleship and that's why we're not seeing the maturity and growth and spiritual freedom that Jesus promised us. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. All right, good to be back with you. Hope your day is going well. I'm doing great over here again. Always like to check in, see how you're doing. I do have to say, though, I am officially... Today, it dawned on me, I'm officially over winter. I'm just, I'm done with it. We don't even get that hard of winters here in the Pacific Northwest. It's sort of between 37 and 43, mostly 43 to 50 all winter. We did get a little snow, but it's just, I'm kind of over it. I'm just kind of ready for spring. I'm over sort of the gray time of the year. I don't know where you're at or what you're experiencing, but that's what I'm experiencing, and I am ready, <laughs> ready for winter to be gone. And I can tell too because Tina and I have spent an inordinate amount of time looking online at super sunny, warm vacation spots that we need to book for like April or May or something. So I can tell I'm definitely over that. Hey, today I was just reading an amazing post by Tim Keller. It's part of an ongoing series. I, I just had to pass it along. It's called The Decline and Renewal of the American Church. This is part two, the decline of evangelicalism. Wow. Thank you, Tim Keller. This thing is amazing and insightful. And as always with Tim, it's very articulate. And I just, I'm finding it stirring my heart up in so many ways and affirming some things, but also giving me to, you know, to give you guys a little bit of a shove <laughs> in certain areas. Like, hey, so I was like, how do I incorporate some of this? So I thought, let me just pass it on. Again, it's called. The Decline and Renewal of the American Church, Part 2, The Decline of Evangelicalism by Tim Keller. I know if you Google it, you'll find it right away. Now, let's get a little business done before we dive into today's topic. Have you joined us over on Facebook yet? We have that Everyday Disciple podcast group over there on Facebook. I'd sure love for you to jump in with us. Yeah, it'd be great. You get to talk about the show. It reminds you of the show. You can leave comments, thoughts, questions, or anything to do with discipleship in your context or the gospel or gospel fluency, any or all of that. And I'm always looking forward to whatever you post, and I try to get in there every day. I, in fact, I'm pretty sure I make it in there every day to either say some things or answer questions, check it out, see what's going on. So please join us. You can just search that up, Everyday Disciple Podcast and Facebook or go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook. 
It's also your best place to get announcements from us about upcoming training or freebies or events maybe that I'm speaking at or whatever. And I've got another Everyday Disciple Challenge coming up soon. Four days live each day, free training with all kinds of cool stuff and even a way for you to get the recordings of it permanently this time. So all that's coming up soon, just saying. And if you're in the Facebook group with us, you're going to hear about that first. So check that out. Also, I want to give a little plug to our sponsor, Missio Publishing. I still think that Missio publishes some of and many of the very best discipleship and missional living resources that are available out there. I continually use them in community myself and recommend them to those we coach. Of course, they are my publisher. They have a couple of my resources with more coming. But if you've not checked it out yet or it's been a while or you're thinking, wow, what do we need to do with our groups next? Or maybe you're all over the place or you're trying to think, what do I do with all my groups? Please check it out. Go over to missiopublishing.com, M-I-S-S-I-O, missiopublishing.com. And I am just about with Tina to start a new coaching cohort. It's coming up here in a few weeks. If you've been hearing me talk about this and you're thinking, yeah, one of these days, I'm going to get around to that. Well, uh, maybe today's the day. (laughs) Maybe now is the time. I'd love to tell you more about it. Check it out over at everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. If you go there to that link, everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching, it'll tell you all about it and also give you a way to get in touch with me so we can set up a little Zoom call, talk about it, answer any questions. I'd love to get you started. We just have a few slots left. I'd love for you to join us. All right, so please check that out. Now let's get to where we're going today. Discipleship is not about knowledge acquisition or discipling someone's not just about teaching them lots of stuff about the Bible. Maybe that sounds obvious, but you see, it's not enough to teach facts and gain knowledge. Disciples must be formed in ways that change their motivation and give them active gospel experiences. So I'm not just saying, hey, you can't just do this in a classroom. It's not about head knowledge alone, but what is it? It's way more active. It's way more life on life. It's way more motivationally connected. Remember the five E's we discussed a few episodes back of how people move from where they're at to new ideas and embracing those things? When expose, embrace, engage, equip, expand, those are the five stages we all move through. We have to first be exposed then, so we can embrace it and then start to engage it and then we're going to need more equipping and on we go. So if you feel like your current discipleship in your church or personally with others doesn't get outside the classroom to help people experience the gospel lived out in all of life, walking with Jesus in more and more areas of life and community, well, you'll need to rethink some stuff and start to have the type of conversations like you'll hear today. Because people do need a much broader approach to discipleship than just classroom or book learning. And you know that they are going to need experiential ways to expose them to life in the kingdom so that they can truly embrace it, not just hearing about it or afraid of their afterlife experience or something like that. As we continue on in our conversations series today, I'm going to share a conversation between a couple of friends that in some ways is meant to teach us and reorient our thinking on how we make disciples. It's a parable of sorts, and you'll hear how it ends kind of on a bit of a sarcastic note, playfully, really kind, 
but it's two women speaking. I'm going to share the conversation with you. They don't sound anything like me. But again, this is a critical topic to grapple with if we want to see our church really engage in mission and discipleship as our primary focus. You'll need to be having these types of conversations if you want to move your discipleship well beyond classes and head knowledge. And here it is. Well, a few more hours and we'll be finished. You know, I have a love-hate relationship with these yard sales. I love getting rid of our old junk, but it seems like more trouble than it's worth sometimes. Thanks for coming over to help today. And at least we got some time to catch up together. I really appreciate it, Jill. No problem. And don't forget, when we were cleaning out that big closet, you found your old violin and music books from high school. That's pretty cool. I remember when I was first learning to play the violin, Terry said. I started by studying music theory. I learned the history of the violin and how they were made, how they were constructed. I listened to endless hours of music that was played by accomplished violinists. I listened and studied for two years, but it was all dots on a page to me. And you know what? When I picked up the violin, I could still not play it very well. It just sounded like a series of squawks and squeaks that were horrible and far from being beautiful music. Jill asked Terry, didn't your teacher require that you actually practice playing the violin along the way? I mean, that is how people learn things, right? Well, we did a few minutes of hands-on stuff each week, like where to place my chin on the violin and certain finger techniques, but I guess he just figured I was practicing it on my own at home or playing it for my parents and friends. He said I should do this, and he assigned that as homework, but I had no confidence in it at all, so I rarely practiced or played in front of anyone. But Terry, when you first found your old violin today, you opened up the case, tuned that thing up, and played me a beautiful song. Yeah, it was a little rusty, but clearly you're a very good violinist. What happened? How or when did you really learn to play so well? Well, in my junior year, our family moved across town, and I had a different music teacher. She not only taught us music theory and how to read charts and all that, but she gave us a love for the music. She would sit and listen to her favorite recordings with us, pointing out why certain parts were so amazing to her, and I fell in love with the violin for the first time. She'd also listen to us play and give us encouragement and feedback along the way. She even came to my house a few times when I played recitals in my living room for family and friends. She was awesome. And here's some good news. It actually sounded like music when I did that. Beautiful music. Well, what a gift she was, Terry. What was her name? I'll never forget it. It was Ms. Barnabas. She was the best. She not only taught me about the violin, she made sure my heart was moved by the music and watched and encouraged me at every step until I was good at playing. You know what, Jill? I'm going to keep this old violin and start playing it again. I can't believe I ever thought about selling it. Oh, Terry, look at what time it is. I got to get over to the church building. It's the ninth week of my discipleship training classes. Only three more weeks of study, and I guess I'm officially discipled. All right, you get it? You see what's going on there? It really is like a parable. What a contrast with how most of us were discipled, quote unquote, or how our church tries to make disciples. I love this short conversation. It's really packed with insight and practical stuff 
without stating do this and then do that. It's really, like I said, it's like a parable in this way. It brings about great implication. Ask yourself, was the way you were discipled, if you actually were, like the way that Ms. Barnabas taught our friend Terry here? Or was it more like faith by the numbers with little experience out in real life? Along with the assumption that, well, you were practicing these things, and because you prayed a Jesus in my heart prayer, you now had great love for Jesus and God's glory and all people, and you had a community to do this with? Hmm. I think we make those big assumptions tacked onto bad discipleship, and that's why we're not seeing the maturity and growth and spiritual freedom that Jesus promised us. We've seen a massive impact by discipling people in a much fuller way. And to kind of put handles on it, we've always tried to look at discipleship and the training and equipping we're doing through the lens of head, heart, hands, right? Head, heart, hands. Got to learn some stuff. Got to believe some stuff. Got to experience some stuff. But I'm learning that really things often flow or need to flow sort of in the other direction. Hands, heart, head. In other words, we need to maybe start hands giving people an experience of what this is like to help them fall in love with Jesus and the kingdom and begin to trust God in more and more ways. That's hands. It's an experience of what this is like to live with Jesus and walk in his ways. And then we move to heart where it's belief. It's a heart level understanding of our freedom in living this way and God's unconditional love for us along the whole process because we're all a work in progress. And then moving to head, those skills and training that folks need to learn and grow and succeed and master things so they can then disciple others. How can you start to fill your disciple-making up with all three of these aspects? And what do you think about flipping that? I've always mentally thought through it head, heart, hands, but I'm finding it very powerful to go hands, heart, head, and realizing how that fits into the five E's much better. And it's actually how I learn. I know this conversation today gives you plenty to think about, but please don't just think about it. Have this conversation with others, with key leaders in your church, your spouse. In fact, I've said it before, you may want to send links to each of these 10 conversations episode to your elders and community group leaders or your small group leaders, church staff, Use it as a bit of a conversation starter yourself. And again, if you want help with this, I would love to be able to walk with you. Tina and I walk with you and your spouse if you're married, or if you're not, we do it just with you and all, in cohort and experience a community of people who are learning these same things that way with us in our coaching. Check it out at everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. Now is a great time. We open up cohorts and spaces when we have them, when we have space. And we do right now, it's starting up in a few weeks, but it could be months till that happens again. So please check that out and consider not putting that off anymore and at least talking to me and seeing if it's a good fit. Now let's get to the big three takeaways from today's topic. As always, you can get a printable PDF of this week's big three, free download. Just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. Now, here you go. Here's our big three for this week. Number one. How can you begin to give people a living experience of the gospel in everyday life? I think you're starting to see how discipleship must happen in community with others and take place in normal life. 
Start by having a weekly meal together with those you're discipling and not at the church building. And talk about how you can together live out your faith and what you're learning with others. Begin a predictable pattern and rhythm of serving together. It's amazing. Often when we get out and we serve, get our hands dirty, be with people who aren't necessarily believers or see life the same we do, often areas of unbelief, preference, and fear can show up when we're out there serving others. Well, that's great. Then we can learn to apply the good news to all those issues. That's where discipleship really happens. That's where the rubber meets the road. Number two, the gospel is not something that happened. It is happening. God loves us completely where we're at, but he's not done with us yet. And our ongoing sanctification and redemption is the continuous work of the gospel. How is the gospel expanding and becoming more present in your daily life and community today? Number three, once we grasp that discipleship is a hands, heart, head experience, so experience, belief, and learning, we get to choose whether or not we will embrace it this way and start to include all three aspects in our disciple-making with others. Or will we continue to just do it the way we've always done and hope for and expect different results? That's crazy. Get out there. Try new things. Ask others how they would like to experience the gospel in action. They need it. You need it. We all need it. Okay, well, that's plenty. That's it for today. I hope you'll join me as we continue on in this conversation series. Next time we get together, we're going to listen to a conversation about discipleship in all of life. I'm going to go a little deeper with this conversation. And the gospel's not just the beginning of our Christian faith and our ticket to heaven. Our discipleship has implications for all of life. I know you're picking up on that. Again, I think you're going to love it. And I just want to, last minute here, don't forget to check out the coaching. If you're interested or even curious, go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching before it's too late. Thanks for being here. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.